another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, with co-host Tim Langer. Morning, morning. Today's episode, we'll be talking about the importance of positive self-talk and mindset building. Today's guest is Matt Scaletti. Matt Scaletti struggled with alcohol from 2002 to 2011. He used his rock bottom as the ultimate motivation for change. Since 2011, Matt has appeared on American Ninja Warrior, America's Funniest Home Videos, set two world records, won the Physique Athlete Year, and has recently run 20 plus marathons and run a 100 mile ultra marathon for charity. Matt is an international motivational speaker and loves inspiring audiences to enjoy life, create breakthroughs, and live up to our potential. Matt, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. No problem. All right, so give us the rundown. How'd you get to where you're at right now? And talk to me about those 10 marathons you just ran. <laughs> So the short story is, as you said, 2002, I went off to college. I'm 36 years old. So 2002, went to college, having not really ever been in the party scene. And those first few nights in college, I'll never forget them. I was like a, a caged animal who got let loose and I went crazy. And the problem was I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the party scene and I partied for four years in college and I thought after college, I was just going to stop drinking and partying and I couldn't shut it off. I could not shut it off. So the drinking got, you know, three, four, five, six nights a week until 2011, 2011 in October, 2011, I woke up on the floor of my living room, which actually happened more than once. And it was just one of those moments where I started projecting out what, what's my life going to look like at 45, 50 years old if I, if I drink five to six nights a week? Like, I'm not going to be alive to live life. And it was just a moment where I knew I had to make a change. So I used that moment, that rock bottom moment to drive myself basically every single morning I wake up and I want to be the opposite of that person I was in 2011. So it just sparked this fire in me that's been going strong. And I've been blessed to have a healthy body to push me through some of these crazy fitness events that we can get into if you want. Mm -hmm. To answer your question of the last, that's fun, the last 10 marathons in 10 days. So my wife runs a charity called Young Adult Survivors United. Basically, she helps young adults who are battling cancer aged 18 to 40 deal with the cancer, whether it's financial help, emotional help, social help, etc. And I just want to do my part to help out. So I threw it out into the world that I would run one mile for every $10 that was donated to this charity. What I did not realize is how generous people can be in the world. So I quickly had 200 plus miles to run because we got a couple thousand dollars of donations in. As a result, I, I did run 10 marathons in 10 days. And as I'm sitting here talking to you both, I am stretching out. I have ice bags on my knees and I'm trying to recover as quick as I can. Uh, but I, I would say, and we can go whatever direction you want to go, but when I do these fitness events, especially one like running all these miles, I see my performance is the best when it's something that's bigger than me. So I'm not just running for me. I'm running for 
young adults who are battling cancer. I'm running for my wife. I'm running for all these donors. So it's this bigger than me mindset that has helped push me to, I mean, beyond where I ever thought my body would let me go. So I'm actually still behind in the miles. I owe like 34 miles still. I'm trying to keep up with these donations. And I actually just got out of the shower from running six miles at the park before we got on this podcast. So it's been a fun, it's been a fun road, but that's kind of the quick story of me. Okay. It sounds like you have your work cut out for you, Matt. I do. I, I definitely do. And I was, good away. I was telling a friend the other day, what I realized the problem is, is people are so nice and now they're donating all this money and now I got to step up. So we're having, we're having fun with it. Um, my first question, uh, for sure, we're going to get into the 10 miles and, the, and or sorry, the, the marathons and the events. But before we go there, a question that I, I got, I'm not, well, when I was researching who Matt Scaletti was, I went through your website, uh, you know, some of the bio information that I, I read here as well. And I said, rock bottom, how can we define, and I think rock bottom can be uh, def- defined differently to everybody, but what's your definition of rock bottom? That is such a good question. And I, I was, I just said this on a virtual speech a couple weeks ago, and I want to, I'll qualify it after I say it, but I feel that rock bottom is the most powerful place that I've ever been in my life. And I, I want to go deeper into that because obviously rock bottom is not a, it's not a good place, but yeah. And you're right. I totally agree that it's different for everybody. I think at the time in October 2011, I felt like I was at my rock bottom. And yes, it was painful, but it was also liberating and empowering because I thought it can't get any worse. I mean, my life cannot get any worse than what I've done to myself for the last decade. So why don't we take these small steps and improve on the alcohol consumption, on my health, on not staying up until one o'clock in the morning every night. So I think, yes, rock bottom is different for everybody. But I also think if you reframe it and think, okay, if this is my rock bottom, that means my life is at a low point. Let's figure out what I can change so I can climb out of this whole and start improving on different areas of my life. And that, that rock bottom is, and I mean it every single morning, I think about who I used to be. And it's the ultimate driver of this. I basically try to inspire myself by thinking about, okay, I used to be an alcoholic. I couldn't, I could not run half a mile, let alone 26.2. And I just start the morning out with that gratitude that I'm not that person anymore. So I don't want to, may oversimplify it because I know maybe some people listening to this are in a difficult place and it, it was not easy for me to climb out of it. But I, anybody that's listening to this, if you do feel like you're at a bottom, I, I feel your pain to an extent with the addiction that I had and just try to, you know, make these very small steps to start climbing out of whatever your rock bottom is. So yeah, I think it can be a very empowering place to be if you reframe it. Yeah, that, that that's very interesting, Matt. Um, so uh, it's very interesting to listen to your story. And uh, I mean, you, ha- you have described also in your bio what you have done since then, since you hit your rock bottom. 
but I assume that was also not, let's say, a straightforward road. So maybe you can talk me, uh, about potential setbacks you had and how you dealt with that. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and you're exactly right. It was not like, oh, you know, I'm, everything's great now. I stopped drinking. You know, I'm good. I the first thing I tried to do was. This is after October 2011, that night or what the morning I woke up on the floor. I tried to change everything all at once. So I threw out all of my unhealthy food. I threw out all the alcohol and I went to the store and I'm, I'll never forget. I think I spent like 300 bucks on all healthy food. And I thought, that's it. I'm changing everything all at once. I can do it. And it lasted maybe two weeks. And I think what happened was... I just made way too many changes too quickly and I got overwhelmed and I slid back into not the drinking part, but eating very unhealthy foods. So I've had a ton, ton, ton of setbacks in my life and especially in my healthy living world. And I'll say this too. I have, you know, I've been on stage competing in physique events. I've been very blessed to be able to set a few, a couple world records in my life, but I do not by any stretch of the imagination eat perfectly. I have my days too, where I just need to, you know, lay on the couch and eat some unhealthy foods here and there. It doesn't happen a ton. I'll admit that, but I try not to beat myself up too much when I, I don't want to say fall off the wagon, but if I eat you know, something unhealthy, I try not to beat myself up too much over it because, hey, we're all human beings. I know that I'm going to have setbacks probably every day to some extent. And I'm sure everybody listening can think of a few setbacks in their life as well. I'll tell you one quick story about setbacks too. I tried to set the Guinness Book of World Records for doing the most burpees in eight hours. This is in 2016, I think. Most burpees in eight hours. I don't even remember what the number was. It was like, uh, I don't know, 2000 or something like that. And I was zoned in to set this world record. I mean, I had the schedule laid out. I had my nutrition laid out. I had the mentality that I was going to break this record. And I trained for one hour and then I slowly moved up to, I think five hours was the last training run I was going to do before going for the eight hours. And what happened was, I did something to my back on the second to last training run before I was going for the record. And it was painful. I mean, it was physically painful, but mentally it was painful as well because I set myself up what I thought to succeed and break this world record only to have a setback knock me back down. So that's more of an extreme example. But I think the point is, no matter what the setback is, if I can reframe it and think, okay, what's this trying to teach me? Is it it's showing me that I cannot do this burpee world record? Maybe I can go for some other physical um, achievement. And I knew that I had to recover my body as well because I was beating myself up pretty good physically. And it just took some time to, to regroup and go after some other accomplishment. But yeah, setbacks have been a huge part of my life. And as my wife would tell you, I screw up every single day in one way or another. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely part of it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, rock bottom. I mean, when, when, when I think of rock bottom, I think of literally an ocean. There's a trench. 
there's a black hole all the way down and that's where I see myself or anybody talking about rock bottom. Like, for example, I read this, uh, your, your bio and I think rock bottom and I immediately see masculinity at the bottom of a trench, looking up, looking for a way out with like super steep, uh, hole, right. Yeah. Uh, a point to where you have to be almost like the best freehand climber to get out of there. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, that's perspective, right? Cause I can, you can either be the person looking down or the person looking up, um, and seeing, okay, wow, that is, that's very far or that's a really deep hole. And you can think immediately, oh, it's going to take me two years to get out of there. Or you can look at it and be like, I'm never going to get out of here. Either way, you're right, right? And I think, um, and I, I really, I ask this question also too, because I think understanding your perspective and how you talk about it is, is very important, right? Uh, and you mentioned a few things. Uh, we talked about perspective just now, but I think one of the biggest things you just mentioned is how powerful it was. And I think the power comes from the fact that it's, one probably the best teacher in all of the universe, right? I always say negative situations, you're, you're going to learn a lot more from a negative situation or negative outcome than a positive outcome. Usually a positive outcome, you're going to be like, okay, good, great, pat on the back. A negative uh, experience or negative outcome, or in this case, rock bottom is going to teach you, wow, that really didn't work and give you kind of like the slap in the back or slap in the face, however you want to say it, um, to give you that kind of like oomph and that push uh, forward. But at the same time, just like you mentioned, it's going to teach you how to be grateful. A lot of times you don't know what you're missing unless it's gone, right? And it, and I think for that rock bottom point, and I mean, like I mentioned, to each person is different. I think for me, um, it, was, it was about a year and a half, two years ago, um, I got to the point where if I didn't, I, I was so, I, I built up so much stress, anxiety, and depression, which is completely unlike me. And for no reason, right? Anybody would see me and be like, oh, you got a good life. Like you got a good work, you're going to school. But to me, right, my perspective was I was in the bottom of that trench with no way out, hardly able to breathe. Um, but I think the perspective of how, and, and it takes a breaking point, right? I think everybody has their breaking point. I think everyone uh, at some point or another will get to rock bottom, but also to another variability that's also in, uh, I guess, individual or, or unique to the person is what their breaking point is, how long they're going to stay in rock bottom, right? For you, from what I see here, 2002, 2011, about a nine-year span. Uh, for me, it was like, uh, in that instance, it was like a couple bouts of like, I would notice, all right, I'm feeling this. Let me figure it out. A month later, two months later, I'm like, wow, I'm deeper into this. And again, three months later, I was like, all right, well, there's just three times that I'm catching myself. There's got to be something going on. Um, so for me, it was a, a smaller window, but in a sense, my breaking point was, uh, or should I say there was a breaking point. There was a point where in time where I felt, all right, I'm, I've had enough. Uh, I need to move forward, um, which goes to that next step, right? Very easily. The first thing I said was, all right, I'm going to cut down my schedule by like 50%. I'm going to start working out every day and I need to start becoming a vegan. Of course, similar to your story. Uh, that was very not sustainable. I tried a couple of times, but I think for a lot of people, even hearing from you uh, to a point where you're like radical change doesn't work, right? Just like when you see that steep hill or that steep trench, however you want to picture your, your, your rock bottom, um, I think it's important to note that if it took however long to get there, it's probably going to take the same amount or double to have or change that lifestyle, change those habits so that now you can build a sustainable uh, rhythm or sustainable momentum, um, which is something which you have created now with all these fitness events and these uh, 
opportunities to to educate people. So, I mean, I'm just so grateful to have you here and to to give your perspective of not only rock bottom, but also those steps, just like you mentioned, as far as um, taking those, you know, one step forward, taking making those small changes uh, to move forward. And like I said, I've had a similar experience, uh, not to the extent of what, what you had, but um, I think, again, I think it's important to, to state that perspective is important and that using whatever negative situation or rock bottom as a teacher is probably going to be, at least for me in my sense, and I think you share the same ideal, is that's probably going to be your best teacher, mentor, guru, sifu, whatever you want to call it. Uh, not from then, not, not just from there, but also from the setbacks that are going to come up because, I mean, life is all about challenges. It's what we do. Uh, once we face them, that I feel means the most. But yeah, radical change I think is not sustainable. What do you think? I no, I totally agree with you. I think that's that's right, and it sounds like you and I both found that out the hard way. I I want to bring something up because you brought it up, Andy, and I think it's a really good point you had in there. Which you had a bunch of good points, but one of them is you talked about small changes and small wins. And I think this is a huge deal. I'm a just massive believer in getting small wins. And the other word that you used was momentum. And I think that that is such a big point that I just want to talk about for 10 seconds. These small wins begin the momentum. And it's like that snowball that stops starts on top of the hill and it keeps going faster and getting yeah. momentum and steam and turns into this massive uh, snowball. And that's, that's how I see it. And I think for anybody, you know, I'm, I'm running all these marathons and everything, but it started with, it started with a hundred yard jog. I mean, it started with a half a mile and then it got to mm -hmm. a mile and you get these small wins. And what happens is you start to build confidence in yourself through these small wins. And it's like, okay, oh, if I could do a mile, I could probably do two miles. And then you do two miles for a couple of days. It's like, oh, maybe I could do three. And you get these little mini wins. It builds confidence. And then you start this momentum. And then the train is going. And it leads to this almost euphoric feeling of being unstoppable. And I think it all starts with starting, you know, just taking that first step. Um, so people, people ask me a lot about running this hundred miles in April. And I often tell them I didn't, in my mind, I did not run a hundred miles. I ran one mile, 100 times. So you just mm. think about the next mile and getting, okay, I'm on mile 28. Okay. Let me just focus on mile 28, get this in the books. And then we'll think about mile 29. So yeah, you had a lot of great points in what you just said. And I wanted to just hammer home that small wins equal momentum, which equals, you know, all, it could be massive victories in the long haul. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and, and those are things that I'm so grateful for because, and even conversations like these, right? Uh, like you say wins, which you talked about WIN, but I come immediately, I think about wind and like a sailboat, like, right there, it, it takes enough wind behind it to get the sailboat to where it needs to get to. Right. And sometimes there are going to be wins, for like a few minutes, a few hours, we're just kind of constantly pushing you. And sometimes you're at a standstill, but it doesn't mean you're not working. It doesn't mean you're not putting in the work, kind of like you mentioned, um, one mile at a time. And 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 that mindset, you just mentioned, I think that was awesome. I didn't run 100 miles. I ran one mile 100 times. And I think that goes for almost anything, right? I mean, all you know, for the, for the listeners listening right now, I mean, 
just that alone is worth you guys listening right, right now because I was like, wow, that was deep. Um, because it is important. I think a lot of times, you know, the fear of starting or the fear of failure can get to a lot of people. And, and I know we talked about, uh, or, you know, the, the topic of the episode is positive self-talk and mindset. Um, even for myself, uh, even when I talk to a lot of patients is, or, or clients is a lot of times their fear of, oh, um, wow, you know, I really want to get to this, get this done, but I'm not sure if I can do that. I don't know if life or I don't know if work is going to allow me to do that. Or, you know, last time I tried to do that, you know, I got hurt or uh, I didn't get to do or whatever it is, I quit. But a lot of times they're already thinking of what might happen rather than thinking about just starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes to that same thing. I mean, what what was your, other than the fact that you wanted to get out of the party life and that uh, kind of loop that you constantly set yourself in, what was something that you told yourself constantly to help you get out of uh, that living room, get out of that state to then start the next day? Uh, I mean, I know you talked about the, the grocery or the... Uh, you went to the grocery store, you buy all these food, but what are some of the things other than, uh, you know, doing one thing at, at a time, what's something that you would tell yourself consistently? Because I can only imagine just getting out of bed and going through that cycle again and trying to tell yourself and move forward to take those uh, positive steps uh, must have been difficult. What's what's some of the things, or maybe continuously tell yourself, uh, what are some of those things that you, you are constantly having a conversation uh, with your own self to push yourself forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that self-talk to me is just so enormous. And you're right about the the 100 miles. I mean, that goes for anybody with the one mile at a time. I mean, taking mm-hmm. steps and same with the self-talk. I think that's, this is so huge, whether it's fitness or business or your family. I mean, this self-talk is, that can be the difference between a happy and successful person and somebody yeah. who miserable and depressed in in my opinion anyways so the self-talk was once i hit that rock bottom october 2011 i started telling myself how i am in control of me i'm in control of my actions i'm in control of how healthy i can get i'm in control of who i hang around because the difference is i was a blamer i would blame everything on anybody else other than Matt Scaletti. So I would blame my friends. Well, it's my friend's fault that I'm going out and drinking and partying until one o'clock in the morning. Well, guess what? As I'm talking to myself, I picked my friends. I mean, that's on me. I control that. And I would blame family members. I would blame God. I would blame whoever I could and basically took zero accountability for myself. So this all rolls into the self-talk of thinking I am in control. And I I still say this, I said this earlier when I was running to myself, I get in this mindset of I am unstoppable. Now, I don't mean that in an arrogant way, uh, but I mean it in like when I'm out there running, if I consistently say over and over again in my head, like I'm unstoppable, I'm a machine, I I can do this, I can succeed and just keep running, running, running. You just you start to believe it. You say it over and over and over again in your head. And it's just a, it's a really, really fun and exhilarating feeling to have. But I will say with this whole self-talk discussion, and we can go any which way you guys want to go with this, but I want to make sure I, I hammer this one home. Self-talk plus action, right? Mm-hmm. You need to have the action because self-talk with no action is delusion, right? Like I could, I could sit, 
you know, I could wake up in the morning and say, I'm unstoppable, I'm unstoppable. But if I'm just laying on the couch watching TV, there's no action backing up what I'm saying to myself. So I think that's a big point with the whole self-talk thing is make sure you're taking action to back up whatever you're telling yourself. So yeah, that's, it's often, I am unstoppable. I am in control. And when I say I'm in control, I understand there are thousands of things that I have no control over, but I'm in control of if I run that next mile, I'm in control of if I'm going to eat healthy during the day and at night, there's a lot of stuff that you and I and everyone listening can control. And I tend to focus on what I do have control over. And if I do not have control over something, just let it go. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but yeah, you may have to ask me again so I can give you a more concise answer. No, yeah, absolutely. You hit it right on the head. And I do have a few questions off of that, but I know Tim wants to ask you something. Yeah, no. So I think it's exactly that point of, of uh, self-talk and then taking the action. And in your case, Matt, it sounds like you channeled that action a lot into athletic performance. Was it something you were you would consider yourself an athlete before you hit rock bottom or was that a new avenue you found afterwards? You know what? That's a very good and fair question. And I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't give any background of my earlier life. I was... I mean, my brother would probably tell you that I've been a natural athlete. I played basketball growing up in, in high school, four years of high school. I loved, I love sports, basketball being my favorite sport. So I had some athleticism in me, but, and I always loved working out, meaning lifting weights. I was a, I was a gym guy. I love throwing around some dumbbells in the gym and I always loved that. And I still do what, what, was not happening was you cannot, I can't remember who told me this. This is a while back. I heard this, but I love this quote. You cannot outwork a bad diet. And I didn't understand that. I did not understand that in college and years after. So I would knowingly eat unhealthy and drink a lot of alcohol and think, oh, I'll just add 20 more minutes on the elliptical and that'll offset my horribly bad diet. And I knew that just, that does not work. So I do have some athleticism as far as my background in high school and growing up, but I, I was just destroying that athlete and that talent inside of me by the foods and alcohol that I was consistently consuming. Yeah, just to go, I mean, that's, First and foremost, that's one of the things that I talk about all the time uh, with patients. They're like, oh, you know, I have pain. I want to lose weight. Um, so I should start uh, running more now, right? I said, well, what's your lifestyle look like before you start running? You know, what are you doing beforehand? Are you, how are you eating? How is your hydration? You know, what's your stress look like? Before you even think about what you're, um, what you, or what should I say? Before you think about adding, let's think about what you're doing now that we can optimize. And, you know, like you just mentioned, diet, a lot of times people try to be like, well, you know, uh, I just went out with my friends uh, last couple of weeks and, you know, I ate all this stuff and I'm just going to work it off now this one session. I'm like, okay, good luck. I mean, physiology doesn't really work that way. But uh, but like you said, it's very important to, 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 now, to not only think about uh, the physical component or as far as what you're doing in training, but what you do leading up to that training is a lot of times more important. But 
Um, I wanted to ask you or go back to the self-talk uh, realm that you talked about. First and foremost, you talked about self-talk plus action, which I cannot agree more with. Uh, but more more in detail, you talked about um, you can't have self-talk without putting action because obviously, like you said, it's delusion. Um, but how I also like to put it too is because some people say, oh, well, if you constantly repeat yourself, how you know that's going to work? But a lot of times it's you putting in the hours beforehand, you putting in the work day in and day out so that when you are repeating yourself, I'm unstoppable or I'm resilient, uh, I'm strong, I'm whatever the word or the phrase is or mantra is for, your, for yourself or whoever is listening, is the fact that you're putting in the work and putting in uh, the time gives you that energy gives you the 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 sustenance behind that word it's now it doesn't become just something that you're saying but something you start to believe in because you're putting in uh that work you know i think uh, a very common phrase is uh put it out put it out to the universe you know just just say it and it'll happen um to a certain state it does right because the power intention is 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 something i believe in uh heartily in but uh, but the power in action is even more, like you mentioned, the power of intention is strong, but it has to be coupled with action because there's nothing behind those words. Like you just mentioned, they're just words. But if you add words behind that action, that's when we really start to mix in uh, the power of, of what we're talking about, that self-talk. And and that's something that, uh, and it's not really, it's, it's not just, hey, you saying it to yourself, like just you believing it takes work, just you uh, taking the time to, whether it's a second or a minute, or however long that mantra or self-talk is, um, it, it gets difficult because then that's something you constantly have to do. But more importantly, it's not just a self-talk. It's all the other negative do- uh, thoughts, the doubt, the un- unworthiness, the, all the challenges that you constantly have to kind of brush off and now add in that self-talk. So I know some of the listeners might be thinking, or you know, I, sometimes when I talk to this about or when I mention some of these strategies to other people is they think about, oh, you know, it's not that easy to just say something. Absolutely not. Because you have to think about all the other stuff that you bring into the table. Uh, like I mentioned, all the negative stuff too, but also all the work that needs to put in place. So to allow for that self-talk to have any meaning. So I love the fact that you mentioned um, self-talk plus action. I think that combination is really what makes it powerful. I yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, I'm, as you're talking about that, I'm wondering, Andy, and I don't know that I have a great answer to this, but, and we mentioned the fear and we mentioned the action and mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right on a lot of people. And I did this for years myself, just don't start. And I think it is that fear yeah. of failure that holds many of us back, including myself for a long period of time. And it goes back to the controllables, right? And it's something I'm constantly saying, right? Hey, uh, focus on the controllables, focus on the controllables, right? I mean, a lot of times we get so focused on the external stuff that we can't uh, control in a sense, right? Whether, like you mentioned, um, some stuff in our environment that we can't really control. The fact, you know, our boss is always screaming at us or our relationships uh, may not be going as well because the other person is not putting in the time. But how we react, how we how we react to those uh, situations is something we can control. We may not control the other person, but we could always control who the other person is. Like you mentioned, we can control who our circle is. We can control who our friends are. Might not be the most comfortable and uh, great conversation to say, "Hey, by the way, 
this friendship isn't working. So I kind of have to pivot and go somewhere else. Uh, but like you said, at the end of the day, if you're blaming other people, they're, you know, they, it's the, the saying is when you point a finger, you have three fingers pointing right back at you. Uh, and a lot of times, like I said, that's good. Yeah. You, you have three fingers pointing right back at you. And I think that's, and that's really powerful. And it goes back to uh, the controllables. I mean, nothing we're saying here is easy. I, I think that's kind of like a blanket that we're going to put out. And I think you mentioned as well. Nothing that we're saying here is easy. It's not to say uh, I'm myself for sure and not perfect. And, you know, Matt has said, uh, said himself plenty of times. But um, I think, you know, we only have so much energy in our cup, in our day-to-day, right? So using the energy wise to build ourselves up and build others up is important. I think a lot of times for people, um, along with this fear, we get wrapped up in some of the things uh, are in the negativity, whether it's um, the stuff that we can control um, and instead of focusing on uh, some of the things that we can control, right? Our reaction to things, our thought process, you know, things that we, we are continuously saying to ourselves um, and our actions, all those things are things that we can control. But I find even including myself and I'm talking to myself or I'm talking about myself when I talk about this is a lot of times we get so wrapped up in, uh, you know, for example, this Corona stuff. Yes, there's a pandemic going on, but what are the things that I can do right now that can help me uh, with that? You know, I think a lot of times it's it's very it's very easy, and, and I think it's uh, I, I don't know if the word is easy, but we get so wrapped up in all the negative stuff and the stuff that we can't control. I know I'm, I'm like repeating myself, but um, there's so many things that we can control, and I think if we focus on that, we put our energy into that, we're going to see so much more benefit. Um, rather than harping all the stuff that we can't control and the negatives. And uh, like I said, I'm bringing that up because it's something that you mentioned when you talk to yourself about being unstoppable. Um, and there's so much power that comes behind that and so much work that comes behind that. Um, hence, all these uh, fitness stuff that we're going to go into that you've been uh, so, uh, I mean, all the stuff that you, you've done is crazy. Like, it's just the 10 marathons. I'm just like, 10 marathons? What the heck is that? That's crazy, you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, controlling the controllables is important. I agree. That's well said. Very, very true. So, Go ahead. so when it, yeah, yeah, I had one more thing real quick. So when it comes to, um, it was the, again, we talked about self, uh, self-talk. We talked about the action component. Um, what's something that's, you know, I guess, what are some things that you tell your clients or those that you work with, Matt, that can help them uh, maybe put some action, actional items into, into play. You know, they understand the, the importance of starting. They understand the importance of self-talk and action. What's some, what are some things or maybe the one thing that you tell most people that they can do to, in order to put these actionable items to, to, to play? That's a really, that's a really good question. And I, I might have to hear how you answer that question as well. Uh, but I, I'm a huge believer in, you are the, and including myself, I am the average of the five people that I surround myself with. Mm. So for example, I, well, who I was around from 2002 to 2011 was people who liked to party and drink, etc. Who I was around after that were people who love to work out, love to eat healthy. And you tend to become more like the people that are around you. And I'll never forget, I was at a school speaking, I think this is a year or two ago, speaking to like 500 students in an auditorium. And I talked to one of the teachers after, and she mentioned one of the students and she said something like, 
you know, I can tell you how his next four years are going to go. And I was like, well, what do you mean? How do you know that? And she said, just look at the four or five people that he hangs out with. And I thought, wow, man, that's, that's so true. Not with student, not with just with students, but adults or anybody else. So this leads into my answer of if I'm trying to help somebody, I want them to, let's just say, for example, they want to run a half marathon. I would want them to get around people, join a Facebook group, or if they already know somebody, build a relationship with someone who runs half marathons. Because if the action that you want to have or whatever you desire starts to become normal because of the people that you're around, then you just elevate your game to that level of whatever that group is doing. So like another example is if you're a tennis player and you want to get better at tennis, do you play with somebody that is worse than you, the same as you or better than you? Or you play with somebody that's better than you because you you learn from them and you have to keep elevating your game so you don't get blown out of the water. So I try to get people to befriend or get in groups of whatever the result is that somebody wants, get around people that have already achieved that result, and then it becomes more normal. And in my scenario, running the 100 miles, I started befriending people that had run 100 miles before. So my friends before that, which are still my friends that had not run 100 miles, would say, that's crazy. Your body's never going to hold up for 100 miles. That's stupid. Why would you do that? Then you get around people that have done it before, and they're telling you, you can do this. Like, do this nutritionally and make sure you stretch out. Make sure you So now it becomes normal because you're around people that are achieving whatever you want to achieve. So I think that that's, I don't want to say support system, but I guess that's what it is. The people that are around you that are you're close with, you become more like. So I tell people that I'm speaking to to get in some sort of group that has already achieved whatever you're looking to achieve. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you nailed it. I could probably couldn't have said something better than that. That was a community. I think that's, that's very powerful. Like you mentioned, you don't necessarily have to change your friends, but change or start to add in those people, like you mentioned, that have done what you're looking to do. Um, Some people that, you know, like you just mentioned, some, you know, who your regular circle would be, you think like, wow, that's crazy. Another group of people think, yeah, we've done that. These are a couple of things that you need to do, uh, you know, start here. And it gives you that guidance. I think, yeah, I think that was powerful. I think, yeah, great answer. Awesome. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And Matt, I think also coming back to that point, you what you just said, but in the beginning of the podcast, you also mentioned with the example of being able to run 10 marathons in 10 days as an example, that you're able to connect that to a greater why and, and the greater good. And I think that sounds like it also plays into, into that same, what you just mentioned here. Can you elaborate maybe a little bit on that? How it plays into the why? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, for many people, one marathon sounds, sounds like a big accomplishment, but running that same distance 10 times in a row, you mentioned in the beginning that, I mean, you, you connected that to, to run for, for a good cause in that sense or that example. So, and it sounds like that if you're able to connect something to a greater good than, than yourself, it might help also being accomplished these, let's say, uh, athletical, um, accomplishments. 
I, I really think what you just said is so, so, so huge, Tim. I think it all comes back to why. So, yeah, I'm a huge believer that if you are – and it doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, you think about it in the business world. If you have an employee that has no idea what the company's mission is or what the bigger picture is, they're more likely just going to punch in and punch out and be like, ah, you know, I'll get get my paycheck, whatever. But if you have another employee that knows the reason why they're there and they can see the bigger picture and they can see how they are helping move forward that company, it's just, it's a whole, it's a game changer. So yes, I think connecting with my why and having that why be something that's a lot bigger than me, which is the young adults who are battling cancer, that's my ultimate why. It really helps me push myself further than I ever thought I could ever go or a human body could go. Now, I should, I feel like I should mention this as well. I've done a bunch of crazy, people would call them crazy fitness events before. I almost every time I've done something like this, you're going to get a group, at least one person who says, you're an idiot. Why would you do this to yourself? It's not safe. I, so you're, I think the higher you aim in fitness and business, et cetera, there are going to be the people that come out of the woodwork and try to bring you down, maybe without, without even trying to, maybe they just think they're looking out for your safety. Uh, but I feel like I should say, I will always listen to my body and I would have not run 10 marathons in a row if I thought I was injured or I thought that I was you know, doing something that my body could not handle. So I think the you hit the nail on the head with coming up with the reason why whatever whatever it is you're trying to achieve and go deep with yourself. I mean, the deeper the why and the more personal it is to you, in, in my case for me, I think that's can push you to heights that you never even thought was possible. And I think the other thing it does is if you connect with the why, like for me in the beginning with cutting out alcohol, it was because I knew there was this potential in me that I was not achieving because alcohol and my mindset were holding me back. If you connect with that why, whenever you get hit with a setback, and as we said, you're always going to have a setback, and it's, it's probably going to be a bigger setback, the bigger goal that you have. But once the setback happens, if you can reconnect to the reason why you be, began whatever the journey is, it's going to make, that's how I feel it's going to make you unstoppable. You connect to the why, and it's like, okay, I'm doing something bigger than me. Like during those 10 marathons in 10 days, I, I had many times where I was like, the alarm would go off at 3.45 in the morning because I had to run these marathons before 10.30 in the morning. And I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to get up. Like, this is ridiculous. And then I would think about a young adult battling cancer. And I'd think, okay, there is a deep reason why I'm doing this and I'm not going to sleep in and let them down. So yeah, I 1 million percent agree that exactly what you just said you need to have a deeper reason why you're doing anything in my belief awesome yeah i mean that i mean it goes back to to the, that rock bottom right to a lot of people their reason why can be that rock bottom for themselves or you know if they look at it uh in a bigger uh, essence from themselves like a charity like you mentioned 
um, it definitely drives that fuel, drives the tank forward. Because um, like you said, there's going to be early mornings, late nights, uh, tough situations, tough conversations that need to be had. And sometimes you, we need a little bit more of a motivation, if you will, outside ourselves um, to get it done. So I would 100% agree with that. Uh, before we start to close up here the episode, I want to go into a little bit of your book. Talk to us about The First 15. Oh, yeah, sure. So The First 15, it's a book I wrote two about two years ago. And The First 15 means the first 15 minutes of the morning. So when I got out of this alcoholic self and into this healthy individual, I, as we said before, I... I tried radical change and that didn't work. So I tried to, okay, let's slow this thing down. If I can just own the first 15 minutes of the morning, let's see where that takes me. Instead of trying to just control 24 hours, I was overwhelmed and I, I would backslide. So I focused on the first 15 minutes of the morning, getting myself prepared mentally for the day and getting myself starting a workout at the end of that 15 minutes and I'm a believer in how your morning goes is a massive indicator of how the rest of your day goes and how the rest of your month goes and the rest of your life goes. So the idea of the book is I do go deep into my personal story and how I changed from alcoholic to fitness champion. <clears throat> but the big takeaway is, <clears throat> or what I was trying to show, hold on a second, hold on, I got a tickle in my throat. <laughs> oh, I was just so excited. And then I blew it with the punchline. Okay. Listen, I, it happens. It trust me. So I'm getting myself. I'm so excited to talk about this, but so the, you know, how the morning goes is how the rest of your day goes. And it's a book on, it's my personal story. Yes, but it's a morning routine book. And I try to give anybody who reads it, the inspirational story, but also a practical takeaway that they can use in their own lives. So at the end of the book, I have, I probably have nine or 10 different ideas of what you could do to start out your day. And to take the whole conversation full circle, I do suggest at the end, trying one of those ideas and not trying to implement 10 things in a row. So one of the ideas, I'll just give listeners a little sneak peek here is, and, you know, this is nothing new, but I think it's just so important is having a gratitude practice first thing in the morning. And I don't mean for 45 minutes writing down 100 things you're grateful for. I think for 30 to 60 seconds uh, at minimum, you know, anybody has 30 seconds in the morning, just think about one to three things you're grateful for. And it's always for me, at least two, if not all three of them, are simple things. I mean, it doesn't have to be some massive thing that you're grateful for. The first one really is always that I'm alive. So that's always the first thing I think. How many people have been on this earth and how many are no longer on this earth? Like the majority of the people are no longer here. So how lucky are we to be one of the ones that are walking around and living our lives? So that's really, the book is about trying to own the first 15 minutes of your morning and then setting yourself up for success for the remainder of the day. I love that. I think that's a great tool, especially, you know, with the topic of today's episode. Um, I think that's a great tool to have and at least to look into, um, as we talked about, just starting is, is 
one of the most powerful things. And sometimes a lot of people have difficulty with that. So having some guidance and some help uh, to get there is important. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome. Uh, Starting. You hit the nail on the head. I agree. Just start, right? Absolutely. Uh, so I know I have some contact uh, contact info here. Um, we'll make sure to put it at the bottom of the show notes here. But uh, for the most part, your IG handle is at Matt Scaletti, correct? Yeah. And I would say if somebody wants to connect with me, Instagram, I'm probably most active on there. So okay. yeah, feel free to follow me on there or shoot me a message. And I'm, yeah, I'm very active on Instagram. Perfect. We'll make sure you guys should be able to see the show notes or his contact uh, or link, sorry, at the bottom of the show notes here. Awesome. And then like we asked for every guest, we asked for book recommendations. Not only did we ask for Matt's, which we just talked about, but also other things or other books that um, either either he has read or feel like um, it would benefit uh, the listeners. And the three that he has here, I'm going to start with the first one is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just give us kind of like a brief uh why you chose that book you know it's funny i was wondering because we didn't i gave you those and then i, I was like oh crap like which three did i give them because i'm a reader so the untethered soul i i have read that book probably five to six times in the last few years and the the quick summary is living in the moment and really it's the book is incredible because it goes over what we've been talking about which is that little person that we all have in our head that we talk to and that talks back to us. And if you, he calls it your inner roommate, which I love that. So if you can befriend your inner roommate, which is the person in your, in all of our minds, then life can become much more fun is basically the quick summary. Got it. The next one is can't hurt me by David Goggins. (laughs) This is, I mean, This guy, he's a former Navy SEAL, and his story is one of just extreme, I'd say extreme pain and suffering with his upbringing. The guy was 300, I think 305 pounds, and had to lose a ton of weight just to get into Navy SEAL training and into the the academy. He completely changes his life around, and it's just the ultimate inspiring story that if anybody reads that, you will level up in your life to some extent because it's a it's a powerful book god and then the last one is the compound effect by darren hardy yeah this is one that i actually just finished probably a couple months ago and i would say of those three books this one has the most practical advice in there this is a guy that started success magazine so he clearly has an impressive resume and he will give readers, it's a shorter book, it's only 100 and some pages, and it'll give you practical advice that you can implement into your life immediately, which I love that part of it. Awesome, perfect, great. I think those are great books. I know I've heard of uh, David Goggins, I think, for a lot of people they have. I haven't read his book, but I have to look into The Untethered Soul and The Compound Effect. I haven't uh, heard about those. Yeah, they're, they're three good ones for sure. All right. So this last part, we have two more little segments. Uh, the first one is speed round. And the last one is thanks that we like to give uh, for speed round or how Tim likes to call it uh, rapid fire. Um, basically, we just shoot you a couple of questions. Um, and then uh, again, shoot you a couple of questions where you have minimal time to answer. Uh, and again, just a fun way to get to know you a little bit more. Tim, are you ready on your end? I am ready. All right. So I'll go first with the first question and then Tim will fire with his. Uh, Matt, are you ready? 
<laughs> I am. I have no idea what's coming, and uh, that's great. I'm excited. Put me on the spot. All right. Um, first question: Your greatest fear? Oh man, you guys are going deep with these ones. My greatest fear is that I will not live up to my God-given potential. Got it. Uh, one item on your bucket list, if you have one. Oh, one item on my bucket list is to speak to a group of people where there's, you can't do it now, but uh, a live group of over 5,000 people in a stadium or auditorium. Okay. Um, best childhood memory. Oh, best childhood memory. I would have to say my parents, they still do this. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens this year, but they host Christmas Eve every year. And when the extended family would get together for Christmas Eve, it was just like laughter and joy and fun. And I look forward to that every single year. So Christmas Eve at my parents' house for sure. Okay. Tim, last question. Last question. Um, if you had access to a time machine, when, when would you go? Oh man, that is, you guys are really dropping bombs on me. These are good. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm only answering this way because I'm reading a book right now called 1776, which obviously takes place in that year. And I would have to say George Washington and his leadership in the American revolution seems like it was unbelievable. So I'm going to say that just because I, it's fresh in my mind. I would go back to the year 1776 and witness George Washington at his finest. Okay. Um, thank you very much for that. So this last part is just, uh, like we were mentioning, gratitude and just thanks that we like to give. Uh, and the first one goes to you, Matt. Thank you for you know taking the time to jump on our podcast here um, so we can listen and hear about your story, learn about uh, other things that you have gone to, uh, gone through and some of those nuggets, uh, things that you talk to, not only the people you work with, but also uh, some of the things that have helped you get to the point where you're at. So thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. Uh, you're welcome. And I thank you guys for having me because this has been, I, I want to go for another four hours. This is a lot of fun and I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Uh, the second thank you goes to our listeners. You could have been doing anything at this moment literally Netflix or running or whatever it is. Um, but you took the time to listen to this podcast. So we can't thank you enough for giving us the opportunity to, uh, you know, have a platform where we can have great guests like Matt and have these conversations uh, and just not only help us learn, but also help you guys get the information and resources um, that's out there. Our last thank you goes to our clients, our patients, our students, and those who we get to work with on a daily basis. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to share what we love to do and the value that we love to give. Because um, honestly, if we're, you know, if, if there's no one on the receiving end, then it's really not as fun. So thank you very much for, you know, giving us that opportunity, giving us the, uh, again, the almost the oomph of our life, you know, giving something uh, for us to look forward to every day um, and to work with, you know, and to listen and to talk to um, people as, as yourself. So, Thank you very much. And with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you. 
and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.